The traditions and mitzvahs associated with a particular yomtiv are supposed to represent what the unique theme of that yomtiv is. So let's explore what is the unique theme and message of Purim and how does it play out through the special mitzvahs associated with Purim. During the course of understanding this, we'll come to appreciate how much Purim elevates us, even to the point of being similar to Hashem Himself. Now it's all based on a pasuk right at the end of the Megillah. At the end of the Megillah, it tells us that the Jews at the time of Purim, they established or they upheld and they accepted. Amr Chazal, very famously, the Gemara says that the order of those words seems wrong. Firstly, you accept something and then you uphold it. Why is it this way around? Says the Gemara, Kimu They now upheld what they had previously committed to. And the Gemara explains, the, the Gemara tells us at the time of Matan Torah, Hashem suspended Har Sinai over their heads and said, either you accept the Torah, this will be your grave. So therefore, there's a great excuse that people could use to say we were forced into accepting the Torah. That excuse was neutralized at the time of Purim because that's when they really accepted the Torah with absolute full-fledged commitment at the time of the decree of Achashverosh. So move on. We can understand from that. So the fact that Purim is a time where the Jewish people willingly committed and accepted the Torah, that is obviously a fundamental part of what Purim is all about and a fundamental part of the whole of the development of Jewish history. Which raises the question, Why do we not appear to have anything on on Purim in in the course of the things we do over Purim that specifically highlights this fundamental part of what Purim is all about? Absolute, voluntary, enthusiastic commitment to the Torah in a way that didn't even happen at the time of Sinai. Where, where do you see that? Now, you might justify and say the reason they were so committed to the Torah at the time of Purim was because they loved how Hashem had shown such protection and miracles for them. It's still a little far-fetched to say, well, we'll only commemorate the miracle and not such an ikr, such a fundamental part of Jewish development that is, as a result of that miracle. The fact that this was the completion of the process that began at Sinai, the absolute dedication to Torah and mitzvahs, why don't we commemorate that during the course of Purim? Unless, of course, we do. In fact, when you think about it, it's the exact opposite. It's not that we don't commemorate it, but Actually, when you examine those mitzvahs that are very unique to Purim, you will see dafka this theme, that they express the theme of enthusiastic commitment to Torah as happened during the Purim story. What are the unique mitzvahs of Purim? Aleph Mikre Megillah, reading the Megillah. Beis Mishleach Mono, sending food gifts to friends. Gimon Matonis, Levyonim, gifts to the poor. So mitzvahs eilu, shemudgash bohem ashinu yishebe Purim, beyachas lechag moedim acherim. These are the three mitzvahs that show us that Purim is completely unique and unlike any other holiday. Now, there are other things associated with Purim, but they're not so unique. For example, Kriya Satoya, the fact that we lean on Purim, well, we lean on Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and every other Yom Tov. 
Amiras Valanisim Betfilo Bevirchas Hamosin. The fact that we have a special prayer to commemorate the miracles is not unique to Purim. It happens on Chanukah in an identical way and on other Yomim Tevim through Hallel. Isur Hesbet Vatainis, the fact that you may not eulogize or fast, not unique to Purim. Su'udo Mishte Vesimcha, the idea of having a feast, a meal, a joyous meal. You find that that is also something that occurs on other Yom Tevim as well. You're supposed to have a joyous meal on every Yom Tev. So what is completely unique to Purim? Reading Megillah. So within those three mitzvahs, we're going to find this theme of complete commitment and enthusiasm for the Torah that wasn't even there at the time of Matan Torah. And before we can get to that, let's examine the psychological difference between doing something because you've been forced to or because you feel responsible to do it versus doing something because you're enthusiastic and you really want to do it. Let's compare the difference between something that a person does because they're forced to do it. Or compared to something that a person does willingly and knowingly. If a person does something because they were forced to do it, then the person will always do the bare minimum. Whatever is required to discharge their obligation. Because I didn't really want to do it, so I'm going to do what I need to do so that whoever has this expectation of me will be satisfied. Whereas when you do something because you want to do it, because you care about it, because you're enthusiastic, then you're never just going to look to check the box and say, okay, I did what I had to do. Well, then you want to do it with as much energy and as much investment as you possibly can. You want to do a lot more than just discharging an obligation. That must express itself, obviously, in the fact that at the end of the Purim story, the Jewish people accepted on themselves enthusiastically for them and for the descendants after them, that they're going to show complete dedication to Hashem, and that is expressed through the unique mitzvahs of Purim, writing and then, of course, reading the Megillah, sending food gifts to friends, and gifts to the poor. So let's examine how these three mitzvahs express this absolute dedication to Hashem and to Torah. Vahabir. Michad Gisa on the one hand, if you think about it, all three of these mitzvahs are not things that are completely new to the Jewish landscape. Yet on the other hand, each one of them adds to wherever we would find something similar already within Judaism. So let's look at them individually. Inyan ha-Megillah e'nechidosh. The idea of reading a parchment of scripture, which is the Megillah, is nothing new in Judaism. First of all, writing the Megillah, not unique. We already wrote other Sforim of Tanakh before the Megillah. Of course, the Megillah added an additional Sefer that it wasn't even clear at first whether it was going to be included in Tanakh. Because Esther made a special petition to the Chachamim at the time, write me as a as an eternal part of of Torah, and therefore it was then subsequently added to what was already considered books of Tanakh that record the great miraculous events of Jewish history. And in a sense, it's almost like the closure, the last of the books of Tanakh. 
That's with regards to the writing. And likewise with regards to reading. The idea of reading Torah is not unique to Purim. It existed well before Purim. And besides reading from a Sefer, as we do Monday, Thursday, Shabbos, Shchodesh, Yom Tev, etc. In addition to that, the idea of relating the story of the specific miracle of a Yom Tev exists way before Purim, of course, in the form of Pesach. Yet, when it comes to the Megillah, we see something we've never seen before. Suddenly, we have a Yom Tev where you read the story from a parchment scroll at night, to advertise the miracle, etc. That shows you that Megillah reading adds something you don't have in other cases of either sharing the story of a miracle or reading from a sefer that belongs to Tanakh. So you see, an addition to an existing mitzvah. Likewise, Mishleach Monis. Which is one of the commentaries on Megillah. He explains why do you give Mishlach Monos on Purim? To add in the friendship and unity between Jewish people. That is a mitzvah that applies every day of the year to extend unity and friendship to other Jews. Not only is it a mitzvah, it's an encompassing, fundamental mitzvah of Judaism. Avas Yisrael, the love of a fellow Jew, she klal godel b'Torah, which is the foundational principle of Torah. So it's a mitzvah that, that already exists. As she mitzvah, mitzvah Avas Yisrael ein chiyev lechapes Yehudim k'day lekaimes mitzvah v'after derachol komoicho. It's just that normally, in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Avas Yisrael, you don't have to go outside and search for a Jew in order to connect with him, in order to show them Avas Yisrael. If there's a Jew in your circle, you should show Avas Yisrael to that Jew. But what do you see on Purim when you give or send gifts to your friend? The implication is you have to go out and find somebody who's your friend. And you have to translate the principle of loving your fellow Jew into something practical to send that person food packages. Not by sending them cash but to send them ready to eat foods so that the benefit to them will be immediate. This is an addition to the normal experience of Abbas Yisrael. And likewise, Matonis Levyonim gives to the poor, the concept of Tzedakah, which Matonis Levyonim seems to be part of, is all year round. What's it added on Purim? It's not that if you encounter a poor person, like all year round, you should open your hand and you should give to that poor person. But on Purim, you have to go out looking for poor people. And at least a minimum of two poor people. And don't just give them a little handout, but give them a gift. As we'll see a little bit later, the Rambam says, you should really spend a lot on that gift. So what we're seeing about Purim is that you have existing mitzvahs that you're now doing beyond the norm. That represents the concept of That's actually alluded to in the expression of the Chazal in the Gemara, that they upheld what they had already accepted.
In other words, the emphasis is that these are mitzvahs they had already committed to back at the time of Harsinai. Prior to this, they did read and learn Torah and tell miracles that the Yomim gave him. And they did shev Avasisol and Sadoka. What happened on Purim is that there was another layer, another dimension added to these mitzvahs. They now added more commitment and more strength to the observance of those mitzvahs. And in two directions, the two key directions of Judaism, between person to person, between person and Hashem, Kriya now, and when you add something to Torah, in this case, Ksiva writing a new book of Tanakh, or Kriyasa Megillah and reading it on Purim, so now you're singing Hashem's praises more so than you would do on any other Yom Tev, that increases the kind of relationship that you have between the person and Hashem. And by doing extra work or extra investment in reaching out to the fellow Jew and reaching out to the poor through Mishrach Monos and Matonis Levyonim, that adds to the nature of our mitzvahs. Okay, so what do we see? That at the time of Har Sinai, there was a commitment that the Jewish people had made to Torah, both in their relationship to Hashem and in their undertakings to their fellow Jews. And all of that was ramped up and got a new dimension added at the time of Purim. But there is a question we can address about the suggestion. means that in the case of Purim, we express the biggest issue, which was renewed and additional dedication to Judaism by taking existing mitzvahs and doing them with renewed vigor. However, on analysis, it's not so straightforward. Because there are various commentators, including halachic perspectives, that give different reasons, besides what we've just said, why you send matonis and why you give mishleach monos. One of the reasons given why you send mishleach monos is you give somebody Mishraach uh, Manus to make sure that they have what they need in order to fulfill their mitzvah to have Se'ud Asporim. Like the Gemara tells us at the beginning of Megillah that there were two great Amoiroim who used to swap their Purim meals with each other. And through that they fulfilled the mitzvah Mishraach Manus. Alma de Taimim Mishum Se'udohi which implies that the reason you send Mishrach Monos is to ensure that the next Jew can fulfill the mitzvah of Se'ud Asporim. Same thing with regards to Matonis Levyonim. The implication of why you give gifts to the poor is so that they will have what they need for Se'ud Asporim. In other words, there's a different motivation for these gifts to ensure that somebody else can fulfill their mitzvah of the Se'udah and Purim. Well, if you go with those views, then then the mitzvah of Mishroach Monos is not an extension of Aves Yisrael as a generic mitzvah. Matonos Levyonim is not an extension of Tzedakah as a generic concept. These are specific mitzvahs to assist a person to fulfill the Se'udah of Purim. 
And that's why you've got to put effort into these particular mitzvahs. Even though, of course, you will also fulfill Abbas Yisrael and Tzedakah. But still, if the primary objective is that you want to make sure the other person has a su'uda, then out goes our theory, which is you have existing mitzvahs that you do with great enthusiasm to illustrate the point that the Jews were more committed to, to Torah mitzvahs at the time of Purim than they had been at the time of Harsinai. Not necessarily. They're here in order to facilitate practical needs of other people, make sure they have a su'udah. How do we know, or back to square one, where do we have in Purim something that represents the concept of additional enthusiasm about Judaism? At least according to these opinions, who say Matonis, Levionim, and Mishraach Monos are just simply to ensure somebody has a su'udah. So to understand that, we're going to do a deep analysis of the Rambam's perspective on all of this. Firstly, the Rambam also seems to imply this concept that you're looking out for the su'udah of, of the other person. What does the Rambam say? He says that giving gifts to the poor on Purim is not simple tzedakah. And a little bit later, we'll discuss also how giving gifts to other people, Mishlech Monos, is not just simple Abbas Yisrael. But let's first look at Matonis Zevyonim. It's quite famous what the Rambam says about it. A person should invest more in the gifts to the poor on Purim than what the person would invest in making a big su'uda for themselves for Purim and more than what you would give to your friends, the Matanus Mishlech Monos. Why, says the Rambam, important words, because there's no greater and more beautiful simcha than to make people rejoice, those who are poor, those who are orphans, those who are widows, and those who are converts. Interesting group of people, we'll analyze why he uses that group. Because any person who brings joy to these downtrodden people, such a person is comparable to the Shechina itself, as the Pasuk says, that he who brings life to those who are downtrodden and those who are, des- who are despondent is considered like Hashem. Now, let's think about this. If the Rambam's view is that if the Rambam's view is that giving gifts to the poor on Purim is an extension of the mitzvah of tzedakah, then what's the Rambam telling us over here? That if you cause joy to these people by giving them gifts on Purim, you are compared to the Shekhinah. Surely, that is something that occurs every time you give tzedakah any day of the year. You're bringing joy to people who are downtrodden. Surely that should be like the Shechina. And if that is the case, because the Rambam is saying Matonis Levionim is part of tzedakah, then the Rambam should have introduced this principle about how when you bring joy to downtrodden people, you are compared to the Shechina. The Rambam should have primarily discussed that in its appropriate place, which is in the halachas of tzedakah. And specifically in the section that talks about the greatness of giving tzedakah, which the Rambam goes to in great detail. 
Why would the Rambam specifically reserve this insight, Dafka to the laws of Purim, Dafka in the context of Mikra Megillah, where he tells us that if you give Matonis Levyanim and you bring joy to these downtrodden people, you are like the Shechina. And you can ask the question in reverse. And if the Rambam is of the view that Matonis Levionim is effectively part of Tzedakah, and now for whatever reason he decides to tell us how great it is to give Tzedakah, tell us the other great things about giving Tzedakah. Like, Things that the Rambam mentions in Hilchas Matonis Aniyim, that Tzedakah is so great because it is the only gateway to Geula, etc., so something doesn't seem to add up. We thought that the Rambam views Matonis Levionim as an extension of Tzedakah, and that's why he's talking about how great it is, but something's not working out over here. Because if the greatness of Tzedakah is that you like the Shrina, he would have told us that earlier. And if it's something unique to Matonis Levionim, why is he not speaking about the other great elements of Tzedakah over here? Therefore, we have to conclude that the Rambam's view is that in spite of the fact that, yes, when you give money or gifts to poor people on Purim, you also fulfill the mitzvah of Tzedakah. The Rambam is clearly telling us that Matonis Levionim is not just Tzedakah. What is tzedakah? Tzedakah is you fill the void in a poor person's life. He's lacking this, you give it to him. Rather, if you read what the Rambam is telling us, Matonis Levionim is not just providing needs, it is generating simcha for the recipient who is a downtrodden person. That is the big chap of what the Rambam is telling us about Matonis Levionim. Not just that you give the poor person what they need, because that's generic tzedakah, but the fact that you bring simcha to their life. <clears throat> that will explain why the Rambam talks here not only about poor people, but about orphans, widows, and converts. Which doesn't seem to make sense logically. If they don't have their needs, then they're considered as poor people. Why single them out? And if they don't require tzedakah because they're not poor, why are they then on the list of the recipients of matonis le'evyonim? Poor people, they're not poor people. <coughs> but now that we understand the subtlety of what the Rambam is teaching us, that the main focus of giving matonis levyonim is not to fill in the needs of the recipient, but to bring simcha to the recipient. All these people need to have simcha in their lives. If you want to be kind of a, a little bit broader in the definition, you could say that when it comes to Simcha, the widow and the orphan and the convert are needy people with regards to Simcha. And you're fulfilling that need. Because what is Matonis Levyonim? Not giving the person stuff, but helping the person experience Simcha. That's the Rambam's insight of you. Say beyond that, Miloshan Rambam, Muvan Shekol Shloisha 
If you read carefully what the Rambam's telling us, then he's implying this. Hain your personal suudas for him. Hain and the concept of sending mishleach monos. and the concept of giving matonis levyonim. They all share a common purpose and theme. They're all about simcha. Suda is your simcha. Mishleach monos is the simcha of your friends. Matonis levyonim is the simcha of the downtrodden. And out of all the simchas, because there's no greater, more beautiful simcha than sharing simcha with people who are downtrodden, in the context of the three possible channels of simcha, the Rambam advises that it's best to, adv- to invest most of your energy into matonis levyonim. So that's the Rambam's perspective over here, which is quite interesting and very insightful for us, that the goal of Purim is to share Simcha. So we have to understand. We understand it. Your own Suda, we understand why that is an issue of Simcha. But on what basis does the Rambam conclude that Mishleach Monos and Matonis Levyonim is Simcha? You could argue it a whole bunch of different ways. You could argue Matonis Levyonim is Tzedakah, Mishlech Monis is Aves Yisrael. Where does the Rambam discover that those are specifically mitzvahs associated with Simcha? Actually, while we're about it, we also have to understand, if you're telling me that a person who brings joy to downtrodden individuals is comparable to the Shechina, why is that specifically relevant at the time of Matonis Le'Evyonim? Surely the same message is applicable to any time you give Tzedakah and raise the spirit of other people. Look at the Pasuk that the Rambam quoted. That's, recording, that's relating to any Tzedakah. And yet, as we already pointed out, when it comes to generic tzedakah, the Rambam does not tell us that you are comparable to the Shekhinah. Even though he quotes the same Pasuk. So what is it about Matonis Levionim that has this unique dimension of Simcha and this unique elevation of the person to be like the Shekhinah? Okay, so we need to understand, where does the Rambam learn that Mishlech Monos is about sharing Simcha and Matonos Levyonim is about sharing Simcha? Let's start with Mishlech Monos. If we look at Mishlech Monos, we could say, we could say the Rambam's view is, the simplest answer would be, I have as much responsibility to ensure that the next person has what they require for Sudas Purim as I have to make sure that I have a Sudas Purim. It's part of my responsibility to have Sudas Purim. Like the Rambam says, What is the definition, what are the parameters of the Suda that you are required to have on Purim? So he says, First that you have to eat. And then following in that same paragraph, in that same halacha, we know how precise the Rambam is in the division of halachas. Likewise, you have to send two food portions to somebody else. And if you don't have what to share, then you switch with your friend. You send him his needs for the Suda, he sends you your needs for the Suda, like the Amoraim quoted in the Gemara. 
And that's how you fulfill both Mishrach Maris and the Suda. So it's very clear that the Rambam sees Mishrach Monois as an extension of Suda's Purim, or Suda's Purim, our Indian Shal Simcha's Mishta Vesimcha. And we know very well that the theme of the Suda's Purim is Mishta Simcha. So if my Suda is about Simcha, and Mishrach Monois is to help you to have your Suda, then Mishrach Monois is part of the theme of Simcha. And we could therefore ex- extend the same logic to apply to Matonis Levyonim. Why do you have to give Matonis Levyonim? It's an extension of your personal obligation to rejoice and celebrate and have a su'uda be'su'uda sapurim shaloi at your own su'udas purim. Where do we see this principle? Not here, actually, in the laws of Purim. The Rambam's already described it earlier in the laws of Yom Tov, where he told us, When you eat your Suras Yom Tov on a regular Yom Tov, Part of your requirement of your Suras Yom Tov is to feed those who are destitute or those who are downtrodden. And the Rambam uses harsh language here. person who locks his doors. And he just eats in the privacy of his own home his Yom Tov Nefesh. And he does not share food with those who are physically destitute or those who are mentally, emotionally despondent. Then that person's Suda is not a Simcha of a Mitzvah. It is this joy of his own belly. Ein Sham, look in detail what the Rambam says. In other words, the Rambam has already made it clear to us, generally, that when you have a su'uda associated with a yomtev, that is for the purpose of simcha, it cannot be considered a real simcha shal mitzvah until you're taking care of the poor person. So you have to give matanah sevyonim in order for you to have a proper su'uda spurim. So perhaps that's the explanation. Part of your requirement as a su'uda is to extend the simcha with other people too. It's just not so simple when you talk about Matonis Levyonim. Why? We just said, look how precise the Rambam is in the division of Halochas. He put Mishlech Monos into the same Halochas, Sudas Purim, that tells us there must be a direct correlation. He put Matonis Levyonim into a separate Halocha afterwards, that implies there may not be the same connection. He says, that you have to then share food or matonis gifts with the poor. Which is unlike what he did with Mishlech Monos. That he put into the same paragraph as the Suda. This one he puts in a separate paragraph and we have to ask ourselves why. When it comes to matonis levyonim, loy hiskira Rambam, the Rambam doesn't mention bahaloch zoy bahaloch shlachreah. Not in this paragraph we introduces matonis levyonim. Not in the following paragraph. Es inyan anal chashoyich of a shayis v'chiyosim was a kivilchas yomtiv. He doesn't say any of the things that he said about hilchas yomtiv that your seudas yomtiv must include the poor. He doesn't say it over here. Sounds like the Rambam is not naturally making the connection between your personal seudas purim and the simcha thereof. And Matonis Levyonim. Oh, but Frat. Oh, Omizem Moven. 
That implies that Matonos the Evyonim is not an extension of Su'udas Purim and the Simcha of Su'udas Purim. So how does the Rambam then know that Matonos the Evyonim is, is, is linked to Simcha? That he tells us that it's about being Mesameach, those who are downtrodden. Plus, if we are going to say that Mishlech Monos and Matonis Levionim are extension of your responsibility to have a Suda and the Simcha that's connected with it, then that implies that they're not independent mitzvahs. That implies that there is no separate mitzvah of Mishlech Monos and separate mitzvah of Matonis Levionim. They're just subcategories of your Suda. Which would imply that if a person did not send Mishlech Monos or Matonos Levyonim, that would imply that such a person would not fulfill his personal mitzvah of Suda which is what you see with Yomtev. The Rambam is pretty clear about that, that you cannot fulfill your mitzvah of Simcha's mitzvah of the Suda of Yomtev if you're not caring for the, for the poor. It would seem that that's the same for Purim. Now that flies in the face of everything that we know, firstly from reading the Psukim in the Megillah, and how we know that you practice Purim. We all understand that these are three independent mitzvahs. As we see even in the Rambam's own language with regard to Matonis Levyonim, that he says, why is it better to give more to the poor than to your own Surah or your Mishlach Monos? Why it says, Because it's no greater, more beautiful Simcha than making those who are downtrodden happy. That implies that even if you didn't do you'd still fulfill the mitzvahs of Purim. And you would fulfill the mitzvahs of Simcha. It just wouldn't be the fullest or the greatest extent of Simcha that you could possibly have. So something's not adding up over here. We can't argue that Mishrach Monos and Matonis Levyonim are extension of Suda, and therefore they're the union of Simcha because that would imply that there's one mitzvah that incorporates three elements. Sudas Purim, which incorporates Mishra Achmanes and Matonis Levyonim, and we have never learned Purim that way. We have always understood that there are three separate mitzvahs. Therefore, we have to explain it differently. Look at the language on the Megillah. From where we learn these three mitzvahs. Mishte, the Megillah says, that's Suda. That's referring to the meal. Mishra Achmanes Ishlerei'ehu is that is explicit in the Megillah. So what's the Pasuk? The Pasuk says, You should make the time of Purim. Days of celebration, gifts, and, and to the poor. What does it say days of? The fact that it says days of Mishra Simcha, etc., is telling us it's not just that there is a particular requirement of what you have to do on the day of Purim. It is the requirement to have a su'udah, the requirement to give gifts to your friends, the requirement to give gifts to the poor. And when do you do them? On the 14th of Adar. Rather, this is what defines the day of Purim. It is a day of Mishteh Vesimcha Mishlech Monos Matonos 
Meaning to say, Why do we have these mitzvahs? Because the theme and energy of the day of Purim is a theme and energy of rejoicing, of simcha. Therefore, the Rambam can conclude that the various specific mitzvahs are Purim. At the very least, those that are in the same pasuk that says Yemei Mishteva Simcha, which is Mishlech Monis Ishlerim Matonis Levyonim, the mitzvahs of Shalach Monis and Matonis Levyonim. They are an expression of the theme of the day, which is Simcha. How does the Rambam know that Mishlech Monos and Matonos Levyonim are part of Simcha? Not because they're an extension of Su'udas Purim, which has the theme of Simcha, but because the Pasuk that introduces them tells us that the theme of Purim is Yemei Mishdeva Simcha. And these express the theme. They express the theme of Simcha. And this idea that you should have mitzvahs that express the theme of the day being simcha is unique to Purim. You don't see it elsewhere. And that's the link back to the Pasuk that says, or as the Gemara interprets it, that now they upheld with great enthusiasm what they had prior committed to at the time of Matan Torah. The fact that the entire theme and energy of Purim is rejoicing. That is what shows you the renewed commitment and in greater measure than at the time of Matan Torah. This is where they accepted the Torah on their own. That's why there's Simcha. Again, what did we say right at the beginning? When you're forced to do something, you just check the boxes and do the absolute minimum. When you're committed to something, you have simcha. You're completely invested. You do as much as you possibly can. So the simcha of Purim is an indicator of the fact that this is when they had willingly re-embraced the Torah. Just to take this to the next level, we know that the simcha of Purim is a very unique kind of simcha and therefore it represents the idea of enthusiastic commitment to the Torah in a far greater measure than you'd see anywhere else. The kind of simcha of Purim is something we don't find in any other yontav. In fact, if anything, we find the opposite. When it comes to Sudas Purim, what does the Rambam tell us? What is the obligation of the Suda? That you should eat. You should drink wine until you become inebriated. And you pass out from, from being shikr. Of course, we know that the source of this is the famous Gemara Megillah. But my Merava, where Rava says, that a person is required to become drunk on Purim until the point that they can no longer distinguish between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. When you think about it, drunkenness, intoxication is not embraced by Judaism. Have a look at all the commentators on this halacha and how they're perplexed at how it could even exist. Look at what the Rambam himself says in the context of other Yomim Tovim. They're getting drunk and becoming all frivolous. Is not true simcha. It's emptiness. 
How come every other Yom Tov the Rambam tells us they sent agents around to make sure people didn't get too drunk and now in Purim the whole Chap is to get drunk? So we can explain it based on the theme that we've developed through the course of the Sikha. The whole point of Purim is to introduce the principle of they upheld with great enthusiasm and passion what they had previously committed to at Sinai. What is Purim? The conclusion and the completion of dedication to Torah. Now what is Torah? Torah is an expression of Hashem's will and wisdom, a treasure that is hidden. No created being, not only human, no created being due to their logical, their intellectual, their physical or spiritual limitations cannot comprehend Hashem's will and, 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 and wisdom. That's why when it was exposed to them at the time of the giving of the Torah, every word that Hashem says, every expression Hashem said, the Neshamas flew out of their bodies because it was completely beyond anything they could handle. So if that's what happened in Har Sinai, how much more so at the time when they were ready to accept the Torah with absolute commitment at the time of Achashverosh. How do you do that? How can you, a limited human being, commit yourself to accept Hashem's Torah, which is infinite? In order to be in a position that you could accept Hashem's infinite Torah, what the people needed to do was to firstly relinquish the limits of their own rational mind and even relinquish the physical experience of being human. Like the Shulchanarch, including the Alter Rebbe Shulchanarch, describes those people who were the great spiritual leaders of the Jewish nation. When they davened, when you daven, you're supposed to visualize that the divine presence is in front of you. They would uh, go into isolation and they would completely focus on their davening. To the point that they relinquished all sense of the physical. Rolled on the floor, smacked into walls, whatever they did. Not only that, they reached a point of such divestment of the physical that they became almost like prophets. At the time of the Purim story, the way they reached that point was by Messias Nefesh, the willingness to relinquish everything, including possibly their own lives, to be dedicated to Hashem. So, what is the theme? How does a person connect to Torah? By letting go of everything that defines them. So therefore, we can appreciate why it is that the main theme and energy of Purim, what is the the core, the essence of the day of Purim, where Yosem Yemei Mishdev Simcha, absolute Simcha. Simcha Sasuda Bavin Shashoy Seyayna Shishtaker Viradim Bishikhrusoy, the kind of experience of Simcha that a person gets shika and falls asleep, meaning loses their sense of self. The fact that they again accepted the Torah at the time of Achashverosh, and they 
upheld what they had previously accepted in Matan Torah at the time of the giving of the Torah. How do you see it expressed? The fact that they relinquished their own rational thinking. To the point that they relinquished the physical things of this world. Like the Rambam describes the experience of prophecy. In order for prophets to see prophecies, they don't see it at night when they're asleep. Or they pass out in the middle of the day. When the person gets their nevoa, they convulse. All their normal faculties are interfered with and, and, and upset. The whole physical system has a breakdown. Because in order to access godliness, you have to relinquish self. That's why the Simcha of Purim is so unique, totally different to the Simcha of any other Yom Tiv, without any restraints and restric- restrictions. Till the person becomes so drunk that they pass out. And at that point, the person dissolves their own sense of ego and self and faculties. And that's what Purim is. Purim is the opportunity to let go of self to connect to Hashem in an unprecedented fashion through Simcha. That's how the Rambam writes. That what is the key of the whole Purim? Is to spend more investment on what you give the poor than even what you give your friends and even what you celebrate in your own Sud. Even though all three of those mitzvahs express simcha, and simcha does take me beyond self. Nevertheless, there's no greater, more beautiful simcha than the simcha you bring to those who are downtrodden. In other words, when is your simcha true? When is your simcha complete? When you lose yourself. That shows us that the person is completely open to accept what the Abishta wants rather than what they want. Where do you see that? When the person invests primarily in what they're going to give the poor. The goal of Purim is Simcha. When a person invests primarily in giving to the poor, that person illustrates that their greatest Simcha does not come from their own Suda, does not come from the social interaction with their peers, but Dafka comes from helping those who are downtrodden. That is more valuable than the Suda that I have with my peers. That's not the case on Yom Then the mitzvah is for you to experience simcha in your Yom Tov, in your home. There's no requirement to totally break yourself and and transcend yourself and so-called become drunk. To lose self. It's implied from what the Rambam writes about the halachas of Yom Tov. If there are, please God, no poor people around, then it's good enough for you to have your own personal simcha in your own home. And there's no limits and there's no loss of your mitzvah, of the simcha of Yom Tov, if you're just celebrating by yourself, as long as there's nobody else who needs your help. 
It's dafka kashun no yel daltes chatzeroi. The problem is only when a person shuts themselves off from the community. Kasho oisa pulali shlol simchas rayom tevshalaniim. When a person interferes with the simch of another person, asayin is a simchas mitzvah le simchas kreisai. That's when we say it's okay. That's not the simch of a mitzvah. That's the simch of a person's own self. But this is the amazing greatness of the Simcha Purim. Where the requirement is that our Simcha should be without bounds. Beyond our understanding, beyond our limitations. When do you access such a beautiful, great Simcha? When you focus on the, not just the next person, but the downtrodden person. To which the Rambam adds, The Rambam effectively tells us it's actually not good enough to sit at home and to get shikha. That's not good enough. Even though that would be breaking yourself completely and achieving the tremendous simcha for him, it's not good enough, says the Rambam. What you've got to do is, when you reach out to those who are downtrodden and you help them, at that point you become like the Shekhinah. Because the ability for a person to derive Simcha from the fact that a downtrodden person feels Simcha, that's not something that an ordinary creation human should be able to experience. Because the nature of any one of us is we are independent beings. We care about ourselves. And therefore the nature of people is that my own simcha is my priority. It's what I feel and care about more than the simcha of somebody else. And I definitely feel my simcha more than the simcha of that tramp on the street. The Shechina, the Ibeshter, who has no limitations, is not bound by the problem because that's a downtrodden person. Their simcha is worthless. Therefore, Mashiach Becholtos Shel Yehudi Lamoid. Therefore, when a person succeeds in actually reaching this point, that I have simcha, why? Because that poor person is feeling simcha now. That is evidence to the fact that this person has now reached a status of being similar to the Shechina. When a person can do that, that captures the theme of Purim and the energy of Purim, which is a time of Simcha, perfectly. It's at that point that we recognize, aha, you committed to Torah. In order to commit to Torah, you had to let go of yourself. You had to shatter yourself. You've done that because you care more about the Simcha of the poor person than your own Simcha. You have really achieved Kim Kvar. And in Hashem, through that, you get all the brochas of Purim and the main brocha, which should be the Gilei of Mashiach now.